You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Well, Father, we thank you for this new series, The Secret Power of the Gospel. And we thank you that the gospel is good news. It's the best news that's ever been told. It is the news of our recreation in Christ. It is the news of our perfection. It's the news of our holiness. It's the news of our innocence. It's the news of our uh, 100% redemption so that we can live and move and have our being inside of you and we can enjoy the same level of intimacy with you, Father, that Jesus enjoys with you, that the Holy Spirit enjoys with you because they are one and we have been made one with you. So, Father, we just give you permission to unpack the gospel today and just give us a dose of goodness, a dose of joy, restoring the joy of our salvation and putting us smack dab in the middle of your unconditional love and grace and glory. And so just take us where we need to go today, Holy Spirit. You do the teaching. I yield my mind. I yield my body to you. I yield as an instrument of righteousness, offering myself as a living sacrifice. And I just declare that this message is going to come forth clearly, unhindered and unchecked by any outside force. And we give you all the glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. 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 So awesome, you guys. I'm very excited about this new series, and I think that it's really going to bless your socks off. So go put some socks on so I can, so I can, you know, bless them off of you. Uh, because it's, it, gosh, you guys, the gospel is such good news. And we're going to be teaching out of Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading out of a few translations, uh, primarily to also point out the the difference in translations and how theology has influenced uh, the the translations of our scriptures. And I hopefully am going to help you guys see things from a a new new perspective, from a new covenant perspective, from a good news perspective, and you're going to be super excited. So let's jump in. I want to start today by reading Uh, The foundation scripture for this series, which is coming out of Romans chapter 1, verse, uh, we'll start reading in verse 16. This is uh, verse 16 and 17 are the foundation scripture. So I'm reading, I'm reading in the Young's literal translation right now, but we may, we may hop around a little bit. Uh, Here's what it says. And it's the Apostle Paul, obviously, uh, writing to the the church and writing to the Romans. So writing to non-Jewish believers, okay? And here's what he says, for I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who is believing, both to the Jew first and to the Greek. For the righteousness of God in it is revealed from faith to faith, according as it has been written, and the righteous one by faith shall live. So that is a literal, you know, a, a word for word type of translation of Romans 16 and 17. Let's go into... Uh, let's just pick another really simple translation. Let's go into the NIV and read it. It says this, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Okay. Now I want to go into the mirror translation because it, 
Uh, first of all, it, it brings out the, fa the phrase that I named this series after, but I also really feel like it helps us unpack what, uh, what the Apostle Paul is actually communicating here. It says in verse 16, it says, I have no shame about sharing the good news of Christ with anyone. The powerful rescuing act of God persuades both Jew and Gentile alike. Verse 17, herein lies the secret of the power of the gospel. There is no, new, no good news in it until the righteousness of God is revealed. The dynamic of the gospel is the revelation of God's faith as the only valid basis for our belief. The prophets wrote in advance about the fact that God believes that righteousness reveals the life of our design. Righteousness by his faith defines life. Now, the message translation reads different than uh, a few of the other translations. And I wanted to bring it in here because Francois Dutrois, who is the translator of the message uh, of the Mirror Bible, rather, um, really has a firm grasp of what the gospel, what happened uh, on the cross of Calvary, what happened at the crucifixion of Jesus, what happened at the burial, what happened at the uh, resurrection, and what happened at the ascension of Christ. And if you really dive into the Apostle Paul's epistles, you will get the message loud and clear, although it is a little difficult to get them out, get the message clear out of certain translations. But here's the, here's the clear message. The gospel is the declaration that the, the image of God has been restored inside of us. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The gospel is the declaration that the image of God has been restored in us. Okay, the good news at the core of its message is a message that you look just like Jesus now. Okay, you have been co-identified with Jesus in his crucifixion, in his burial, in his resurrection, and in his ascension. And scriptures obviously talk about this when, when scriptures like in 1 John say, as Jesus is, so are we in this world, right? Or in Colossians, when it says Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the good news is that the separation from God that has existed in our minds, number one, because we are born into a fallen world system that is steeped in separation, meaning from the time that our eyes, you know, open for the first time after our birth and we cry for the very first time, we are born into a world that is, is programmed by the illusion of separation from God. And so what Jesus was doing on the cross, okay, what he was absorbing into his body was this illusion of separation. He was recreating humanity, uh, reestablishing in humanity the uh, image of God that has always defined what a human being has was destined and designed by God to be, right? In the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, right? <clears throat> he said, let us make man, let us make mankind in our image. After, um, after uh, our likeness, let's create them, right? And he created them male and female, right? And they were created in the image of God. But at the fall, something happened. <clears throat> what happened was Adam and Eve, instead of, uh, Believing that the, they were made in the image of God, they believed the lie. They believed the lie of the serpent. 
they believed that God, uh, that they weren't like God and that they needed to do something to be like God, namely eat of this tree of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, eat of this fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the deception was that they were not like God, that they were not made in the image of God. And when they ate of that fruit and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, guess what happened? It opened their eyes to self-consciousness. It opened their eyes to the illusion of separation from God. It, it, it clouded their uh, self-image. It distorted their self-image and it created an image in them that was not the likeness of God. And so what Jesus was doing and what the secret power of the gospel is, is that the image of God has been restored in us, but not just a, a mirror image in the sense that when you look in the mirror, uh, you know, the mirror isn't you, right? You're, it's, a, it's a separate reflection of you. So the gospel is not the, the idea that you are a mirror image of God that is separate from God. The reason that you are now a mirror image with God is because God lives inside of you. And so there's this mystery. There's this mystery of, of our oneness with God, of this mystical union that we have with God, that, that God is not confused about, right? When he looks at mankind, he sees everyone in his image. The problem is, is that we have a distorted image. We have a distorted image of God. We have a distorted image of, image of ourselves. And the gospel, the secret power of the gospel is that your vision can be restored. And now we have the ability because of the gospel to see God clearly for who he is. Who is he? He's a suffering servant. He's unconditional love. He stands on the side of sinners. He stands on the side of the accused. He is not an accuser, but yet he is a redeemer. And we see that we are worthy of God. We are worthy of his love because the, the cross declares his unconditional love for mankind. And it's the saving act that, un, that undoes the, what Adam did. Right, The cross is the undoing of Adam. It's the undoing of the distortion of Adam. It's the undoing of the distortion of separation from God. And so in the mirror translation, when it talks about the revelation of righteousness, you know, righteousness is a Bible word that sometimes can get misconstrued. And it says the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. And what do we mean by the righteousness of God? We mean the rightness of God. We mean the perfection of God. We mean the nature of God. It is revealed, number one, in the act that Jesus performed on the cross and through the resurrection. It's the actual, it's a revelation of the, the nature of God, but it is also a revelation of the redemption of our nature. Okay, I want to keep reading here because I really feel like Francois does a great job of expanding in this. So let me keep reading here for a little bit. Um, in verse 18, it says this, God is not standing neutral to mankind's indifference. The revelation of God's belief in our redeemed righteousness is at the same time an unveiling of God's passionate desire from a heavenly perspective towards a humanity who seemed to have lost touch 
Okay, I'm just going to stop there for a moment and keep reading. So it's it's a twofold revelation, right? It's a revelation of our redeemed righteousness, but it's also a revelation of, and an unveiling of God's desire for humanity, for a humanity that was deceived, for a humanity that has had lost touch. Okay, let me keep reading. It said that that humanity had lost touch with the romance of their devotion by suppressing the truth about themselves. They had forgotten the delicate art to adore and be adored, meaning they had lost the image of God and they had lost the image of themselves. And because they had lost the, the image of God, the true image of God, and, and, and we lost the true image of ourselves, we also lost the art of adoration towards God and we lost the art of adoration towards ourselves, meaning being the adored, being the adored by God and out of being the adored by God, giving adoration to God. So let me keep reading. It says, while they continue to hold on to an inferior reference of themselves by being out of sync with their true likeness. So again, Francois does a beautiful job here of explaining this distortion, right? That we have been out of sync with our true likeness since, since the fall. We've been out of sync and had a distorted idea and have lost the revelation of our likeness of God, that we have been created in the image of God, that we, we have been created to be the house of God, that we have been created to be uh, the home of God. And so the gospel, the secret power here, you guys, is that the, the gospel is the restoration of our self-image and the restoration of God's image in our life. It, it communicates who God is, that God is love. It communicates that we are loved and it communicates the redemption of our image into the image of God, which is also love. Right. So the secret power of the gospel, you guys, is to recognize who God is and who we are. Let me keep reading. It says, um, let me go down a little bit here. It says, because it kind of goes into a few things here, but I want to say this. Um, verse 23, it says, they're losing sight of God made them lose sight of who they really were in their calculation. The image of God, the image and likeness of God became reduced to a corrupted and distorted pattern of themselves. It says suddenly a person has more in common with creepy crawlies than with the original blueprint. Verse 24, it says, it seemed like God abandoned mankind to be swept along by the lust of their own hearts to abuse and defile themselves. Their most personal possession, their own bodies became worthless public property. Verse 25, it says, truth suppressed Truth suppressed became twisted truth. Instead of embracing their maker as their authentic identity, they preferred the deception of a distorted image of their own making. Okay, in verse 26, it says, being, by being confused about their maker, they became confused about themselves. Okay, so the gospel is the lifting of the veil of confusion. It's the lifting of the veil of confusion about who God really is and about who we really are. It is the restoration of our innocence. It's the restoration of our identity pre 
fall, okay? Pre the time when self-consciousness and sin consciousness and a a sense-driven, sensual uh, drive entered into man. And it is the restoration of our true image and likeness of God. So the gospel is first and foremost a declaration of your new identity. And the problem is, is that the gospel has not necessarily always been presented as that. It's been presented as a as a fire insurance policy to stay out of hell. It's been presented as uh, the forgiveness of sins, but still leaves us in the condition of being a sinner. Uh, it has been uh, presented in a lot of different ways that maybe it's good news to a little degree. Like, I guess it's a, you know, it's good news that we're not going to burn in hell forever. I mean, yes, that's good news, you know, and that'll motivate you to believe in Jesus, right? Just out of the fear of hell, you know, it's good news, I guess, to say, hey, we've been forgiven of our sins. I mean, it feels great to be forgiven, but forgiven is not enough because it still leaves us in the condition of constantly needing forgiveness because we're, we're, there's no power in it. There's no power to overcome anything in it except just be grateful that we're forgiven in our depravity, that we're, we're forgiven in this condition of separation from God. But beloved, the gospel is the good news that there is now no separation from God, that we have been baptized not only in water, uh, most of us have been baptized in water, not only with the Holy Spirit, for those of us that have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, meaning immersed in the Spirit, and maybe we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, maybe we pray in tongues, but we've been baptized into Christ. We actually now are one with God. And so when we look in the mirror, Okay, we are looking, if we see with the with non-distorted lenses and we see through the, the message of the gospel, we will see a new creation. We will see a redeemed individual. We will see a, uh, yes, maybe if we, if we have a discernment, we will see the old man in, in the sense that we will understand that we have the old, not an old nature, but we have programming that uh, has has led to the distortion of separation from God, has led to a distorted identity. Like we can see that, okay, we've learned that we're someone we're not, but what we have learned about ourselves is swallowed up in Calvary. And so now when we look in the mirror, we are looking at a brand new species of being. We are looking at a redeemed person who is now not only made in the image and likeness of God, but also dwelling inside of God and even seated in heavenly places right this very moment. See, identity is everything. And the gospel is the, the proclamation that our identity has been recovered. And God is not confused when he looks upon mankind. Mankind is confused when we look at ourselves. And because of the separation from God, Religion has entered into the picture, right? The law has entered into this, this picture. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil has entered into this picture. And so we keep striving to be something and we keep trying to be good. We keep trying to be righteous. We keep trying to be worthy. We keep trying to be loved. We're trying to perform our way into identity rather than from a new identity, recognize that Jesus performed on our behalf. And now all that's left to do 
is believe. It's just, just recognize. It's just wake up. Wake up to our redemption. Wake up to the new creation. Wake up to an undistorted view of ourselves and an undistorted view of God. Right. And once we once when we can see it, you guys, when we can see ourselves clearly, when we can actually understand that the righteousness of God is revealed, meaning righteousness, right standing with God, perfection, the nature of God is revealed in us through the cross. The the the, the righteousness of God is redeemed in us because of the cross. And right, this is why there's now therefore no condemnation with Christ for them that are in Christ. Meaning there's there's no more guilty verdict. There's no more separation from God. There's no more relationship with the law. All that's left to do is step into the reality of the new creation to wake up to the, the, the this consciousness. Instead of being self-conscious, we become Christ conscious. We become Christ in us conscious. We become union conscious. We become oneness with God conscious. And we get the focus off of a, a an old man that was that had a distorted view of itself, this programmed self, this little S that was crucified with Christ. And we step into our true self, capital S, who is one with God, the redeemed of God, the, the true self that has been translated from the kingdom of darkness and now dwells in the kingdom, but also has the kingdom within. And you guys, I will not tire. I will never tire of, of reminding you of who you actually are because God who wants to express himself, you guys, through us. God wants the fruit of his character the, the fruit of who he is to be revealed through us in the same way that Jesus said, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Guess what? It should be that if you've seen you, if you've seen me, that you've seen the father. Why? Because we are designed to abide in this new identity in Christ. We are designed to abide in this oneness with God. We are to be the temple of the living God. We are to be the vessel, the carrier, the home of God. And God wants to, a branch, right, that's attached to the vine. And God's life now flows through us. The fruit of the Spirit is God's character flowing through us. So the gospel is more about forgetting than it is about anything else. It's about forgetting the old man. It's about forgetting your former lifestyle. It's about forgetting separation from God. And it's about remembering what the cross declares about you. It's about remembering to remember, to reassemble your identity and make it uh, a, a default way that you see yourself. And this is why... Focus is so, so, so very important. If you haven't listened to the word of the month for April yet, I encourage you to go on the podcast and listen to that. The word of the month for April, which is when this podcast is being recorded, is laser focus. And one of the most important things that we need to laser focus on is the gospel and the declaration of our new identity. We need to focus on who we are in Christ. We need to focus on on the new creation. And why? Because what we focus on is what actually manifests. And so if we are focused on what what we, you know, in our deceived 
you know, state, if we're focused on what is wrong with us, guess what we're going to experience? What's wrong with us? But if we are focused on what's right with us, what's right with us in Christ, guess what we're going to experience? See, the law is the strength of sin because it, it, it steals your focus, right? Do nots, do nots, do nots draw your focus on the very thing that you're, you're, you're not supposed to do not. Does that make sense? Like when you say, don't eat the chocolate cake, it's almost like don't eat just goes invisible. Don't eat just goes away. And all we see is eat the cake, 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 eat the cake. Or we just see cake, 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 cake. And so anytime we're focused on what we shouldn't be doing or what we should, what the, what is wrong, then we just, we, first of all, it's a miserable way to live, right? Just focusing on the do nots is not a, it's not a joyful way to live, right? Focusing on what is right with us in Christ, focusing on what has been redeemed in us in Christ is how we actually manifest the new creation. So this whole relationship with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, with what is right and what is wrong, has been swallowed up in Christ, okay? He is the fulfillment of the law. He has severed, severed our relationship with the law. And he has entangled us he has disentangled us with the law and he has entangled us with himself. He has entangled us with the Godhead, with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And frankly, he's entangled us with one another, right? So we are one, one body, one spirit, one baptism. Why are we called the body of Christ? Because the body and the head are one, right? The bride of Christ. Why are we called the bride of Christ? We're called the bride of Christ because the bride and Jesus, the bride and the groom, the two have become one. This is why the apostle Paul would say there is neither male nor female in Christ, right? That men are not just sons of God, that women are also sons of God, that women are not just the bride of Christ, but men are also the bride of Christ. And one of the things that happened at the fall was that the whole, the whole idea of gender, the whole idea of male and female also got distorted. When God told Eve, right? He said that your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. That was a part of the curse. It was a curse. It wasn't the way that God originally designed it. God originally designed Adam and Eve both in the image of God. Yes, Eve came out of Adam's side, but, that, but, but Adam was both male and female before God took Eve out of her side because it takes both male and female to actually express the image of God. But the truth is the cross is the redemption of our identity, both male and both female, yes, but also transcending the fallen ideas of male and female so that we understand that God transcends. God embodies both male and female, and we are not limited by our uh, gender in any way, shape, or form anymore. We are sons of God. We are the bride of Christ. And we are, we are redeemed into the image of God. And so there's a lot of distortion and a lot of confusion and a lot of, of programming that the world and religion has placed inside of us that we have to let go of, right? We have to let go of the illusion of separation because we are not only just one with God, but we are one with one another. 
We are many members, but one body. And we are many members, but there is still one Christ. And we have been baptized into this union with God. And that is where the righteousness of God is found. It is not found in our good works. It's not found in our performance. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can strive. It's something that God did to us on Calvary. We've been crucified with Christ, buried with Christ. We have we are co-identified with Jesus in in every aspect of his redeeming work. And that is why we are now seated in heavenly places inside of Christ. Okay? Now, what's the power in that? Okay, the power, the secret power of the gospel. What is it? It says it's the power of salvation. Okay, I want to break down that word salvation for a moment because salvation is this word that we've also just kind of dummied down. It's been like, it's been talked about as something like that happened. We're being saved from, from hell, right? I mean, the truth is we're being saved from death altogether. The truth is we're being saved. We're being, we're being saved from this, all of the consequences, consequences that separation from God causes, okay? And what I mean by that is the Greek word for salvation is the word sozo. And sozo is, is sometimes translated as the word salvation, but guess what? Sometimes it's translated as the word healed. Sometimes it's translated as the word delivered. Sometimes it's translated as the word wholeness. Because sozo is like the Hebrew word shalom, right? It literally means the state where nothing is missing and nothing is broken, okay? So the gospel is the message. It's the power of God for wholeness, for deliverance, for healing, for basically you're no longer in the state of something's missing, something's broken. No, you are in the state of shalom. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. You are complete in Christ, right? Your life is now hidden inside of Christ, right? Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Jesus's resurrection, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. And so this resurrection, this new birth, this new life that Jesus accomplished for you in, and, and that is symbolized in baptism, when we come into this revelation of, of this newness of life, okay, everything that is broken stays back in the grave. Everything that is, you know, quote unquote, wrong with you, everything that is missing, quote unquote, missing from you, it stayed in the grave. It stayed on the cross. It was nailed to the cross. Every single thing that was a part of the old man, died with Christ. It's buried. It's gone. It was not resurrected. Okay. What was resurrected was a brand new you, a whole new, a whole brand new creation. You are a unique, beautiful one with God in, made in the recreated in the image of God. And now you are empowered. You are empowered to live a holy life. You are empowered to live a sinless life. You are empowered to live through the power of the Holy Spirit, you guys, out of your new identity. Because when you start to recognize the new man and you start to real identify with the new man, you start to look in the mirror and you start to see Jesus staring at you back through your own eyes into that reflection, guess what? Things, <clears throat> I mean, everything starts to change. I share my testimony, right, about how 
I began to look at myself differently and I began to get a hold of the real gospel and I began to recognize that I was a new creation in Christ and I began to realize that I was one with Jesus and I began to realize, oh my gosh, this is a, this is a new definition of Shalice. And here's the thing. When I began to see myself clearly, guess what? All of creation is moaning and groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Guess what? The creation even recognizes you. And when you recognize you, now you and creation are in agreement and things start to happen, right? The manifestation of Jesus starts to happen in your life. Signs and wonders start to happen in your life. Things that, I mean, were impossible for the old man to do become just the creative things that happen all the time because your focus shifts into the new world. Your focus shifts into the new creation. Instead of seeing brokenness, you see wholeness. Instead of seeing poverty, you see wealth. <clears throat> Instead of seeing sickness, you see health. Your speech changes. You start to speak, uh, start to speak of, of, of things that you call things that be not as though they are. You start to declare the glory of God. You start to release heaven on earth. You start to see other people as new creations. You start to shift out of a focus of what is wrong with this and what is wrong with them and blah, 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 blah. And you start to focus on what Jesus has accomplished and what Jesus has done. And so it's not about anything other than just exalting all that Jesus has finished. And he finished it, you guys, in one fell swoop. It's done. It's complete. There's nothing left to do except wake up. There's nothing left to do except set aside the illusion of separation. There's nothing left to do except put on the new lenses of the new creation and recognize the power that the gospel contains. It actually contains the message that you're new, the message that there's nothing wrong with you. Just that, that message is the power. That is where the power lies. So as we focus on it, as we believe it, as we grow in our knowledge of it, as we begin to relate to ourselves as it, guess what? Our, per, our whole paradigm of life shifts. It shifts everything. You know, I was thinking about this lately. I think I was talking to, I was coaching with someone, someone about it. We were talking about how human beings have this thing called a negativity bias. And it's something that just got installed, you guys, with, with the fall. And what it means is that we just tend to focus on things that are bad more than they are good. But here's what I want to tell you. When you put on the lens of the gospel, you start to realize that, first of all, God doesn't have a negativity bias. God has a positivity bias. God, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, that he doesn't keep a record of wrongs. He believes the best. And so he's always looking what is good. He always sees what is good. Even when he's like, sharing with us that, hey, you know what? <clears throat> Maybe he's, you know, what they call convicting us of sin. Well, really all he's doing is you're acting out of character. You're acting out of nature. You're acting like a, a, the old man. You're not the old man. You're the new man. You're royalty. You're a joint heir with Jesus. He's always reminding us anytime we act out of character, it's simply that. It's a correction. What does it mean to be corrected? It means like you're in error. You're, you're operating out of a dead man's identity. You're operating out of old man programming, right? And so it's always back to, no, this is what's right with you. This is what is good about you. Uh, this is what is, is holy about you. And so there's this, what starts to happen when you put on the paradigm of the new creation and you start to realize that nothing is missing, nothing is broken. Well, you can set down the negativity bias and you can start to operate also with the positivity bias. And let me tell you, when you speak, when you start to speak the positive things, guess what you experience? 
positive things. That's why this is why gratitude is so powerful. This is so 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 powerful when we start to to actually uh, focus on what is right with people. <clears throat> I can't tell you the number of <clears throat> excuse me of miracles that I have seen. You guys, I'm talking about addicts being completely set free. I'm talking about healings. I'm talking about. Uh, the recreation of organs, you guys, creative miracles. I'm talking about financial miracles. I'm, I mean, I can't, time does not permit for me to share the, the, the things that I have seen. And I will tell you that every single one of those manifestations has been a shift in my focus, right? It has been because I, I could no longer see what was wrong with the situation. I remember talking with a, a young man one time who had relapsed and I just said, let's just, let's just rename your old man. I'm like, it's not you. It's not you. And let's just pretend his name was Bob. I'm changing, changing names here. And I said, guess what, Bob, you know, let's give your, your old, old man a name. Okay. Instead of calling him Bar, Bob, let's call him Bart. Okay. You're not Bart. That old man, that's not even you. So you just tell Bart, you know what? You're not going to you're not going to run the show anymore. Stop identifying with Bart. You are Bob. You are new creation in Christ, right? And just as that, just that shift of focus, just that shift away from, from this old person who was dead into the new person who is alive was enough to, for them to recognize, wait a second, nothing missing, nothing's broken. I'm a new creation. I'm not an addict. I'm not addicted. I'm addicted to the presence of God if I'm addicted to anything. I'm addicted to, to experiencing God. Right, because I have a new nature. That 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 is old programming, and I am no longer going to identify with it. I mean, the same is true for every miracle that Jesus ever did. You guys, he just didn't see lack, and anytime he saw it, he just was like, uh, I, "I curse that. I, I don't agree with that." He just didn't agree with things that weren't in heaven. Right? He blessed the bread, and it multiplied. Why? Because there is no lack in heaven. He he uh, told the guys after they toiled all night to let down their nets and, and bring it up for a great haul. Why? Because there was an abundance everywhere Jesus saw. He just saw abundance. He saw potential. He said, Simon, your name is Peter, right? He told, he told uh, Nathaniel, oh, you're an, Israel and who, an Israelite in whom there is no guile, right? He was constantly calling out the abundance of heaven, the provision of heaven. And he only did what he saw the father doing. So the way that Jesus operated is how the father operates. It's how the father thinks. Jesus is perfect theology, you guys. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the father. If you want to know what God looks like, don't go to the Old Testament. Go to, go to the image of Jesus. Je Jesus healed every single one that came to him. And here's the thing. Now he's alive in you. So what does this say about you? You can have God's eyes. Right? You have the mind of Christ and you can actually carry God's focus. You can actually look at people through the eyes of the redemption. The power of the gospel can give you new eyes, not just to see yourself, but to see everything in the new creation. And so when you come up against lack or you come up against sickness, guess what? You won't see it. You will see the perfection of God. In fact, I was just speaking to someone this morning who had a doctor's appointment. They're like, just, hey, agree with me that my blood pressure is normal. And I said, your blood pressure is fine. There's no high blood pressure in, 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 in heaven. You are one with Jesus. So you have Jesus's blood pressure. So just declare it and see it. And, and yeah, it's, it, that's just the truth. It's just the truth. It's, it's just the truth. Let's just agree with the truth. It's just not even that hard. You guys just say, I don't agree with these things. And I agree with the truth. I agree with the gospel. I agree with the new creation. I agree that 
the distortion that I lived under is just that, a distortion. And I have new lenses. And now I see myself and I see uh, all of creation as reconciled to Jesus. We live and move and have our being in God. I'm the body of Christ. I'm the body, uh, the bride of Christ. I'm one with him. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so are you, even if you don't know it yet. Wake up. Wake up, Bart. Listen, Bart, you're actually Bob, right? We just, we shift identities, you guys. The secret power of the gospel is the redemption of our image and likeness of God. It is the declaration that nothing is missing, nothing is broken, that the old man has passed away and behold, all things have become new. We're brand new. We're brand new. We're brand new every single day. We're brand new. And God is no longer counting our trespasses against us. He's not keeping a record of wrongs. He's, he, he is a positive, positive father. He's an encourager. He's a, yes, the correction does come from God, but it's not, it's, oh my goodness. It's not, you didn't, you, you failed the test. Now go be punished. No, it's like you failed the test because you forgot who you were. You forgot that you were a genius. You forgot that you, you have access to the mind of God who knows all the answers. So just wake up and get back into your true identity. Don't fall back under the distortion. No, come back into the reality of who you are. Receive the power of the gospel, you guys. Receive the secret power. It's a secret because it's a mystery. Because why? We can't see this with our natural eyes. You guys, this is spiritual reality, but it's eternal reality. And it is the truth. And it, 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 it will outlast everything that is temporal. It is what is eternally true about us. And so, we, but we don't have to wait until the afterlife to believe in what is eternally true about us now. We can enjoy heaven on earth now. We can enjoy perfection now. We can enjoy oneness with God now. So that's my prayer for you guys, that as you listen to this um, series, that you will, man, you'll fall in love with Jesus all over again. You'll start to recognize the incredible plan of redemption that God had since the beginning of time because why? Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. That this was always God's intent. That we would, see, we would be seen blameless and holy in his sight. And that he has not <clears throat> changed his opinion about us. But it is time that we change our opinion about ourselves. And about everybody else. So you guys, God bless you. The, the gospel is power, you guys. It's the power to change your paradigm. It's the power to change your focus. And it's the power to manifest heaven on earth. So have a blessed day, you guys. Mwah! Have a great day. See you later. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalise.com where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training, where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.